Cause you look perfect tonight Welcome to this series where we're talking about music and what music has to teach us about life, but even more specifically, what, what God can teach us through music. So however you are listening to this, whether you're at a location at East West, uh, the fellows at RCMU, hello, and, or maybe online, we have taken music, which we all listen to in some form, well, some of us have different tastes about this, right? We have good music, bad music. But what I know about music is this, is that it shapes you and I. It, it kind of creates in us certain uh, emotions, certain memories of, of the past, and, and puts us somewhat in a mood. But it even goes further than that. The lyrics, the lyrics that we listen to, the lyrics that maybe if you are yourself a songwriter, you, you just love what it, it does to your soul, those lyrics shape us, and so we are taking the themes of music. That's what we did. We, we nerded out. I was like, all right, if you had to take all music lyrics, put them all in this bowl, what major themes would they have? And that's what we've been doing. So if you miss out on the first week, don't worry. You can go get caught up. But here's the idea that the theme we're going after is, is love. Let me, let me show you the lyrics, and I think, I think this will be pretty obvious. Well, I found a woman stronger than anyone. I know she shares my dreams. I hope that someday I'll share her home. I found a love to carry more than just my secrets, to carry love, to carry children of our own. We're still kids, but we're so in love. I mean, love. Love is this major theme in music. I don't have any scientific data for this, but I'm going to guess that love uh, has the most songs attributed to it. Love, where, where it's a good part of love or bad part of love. But many of us, I mean, if you're, if you're married, you probably had like a wedding song that you remember, or many of us, that, that just a song comes on uh, our playlists and it stirs up memories about another person. Love is powerful. But, but in this instance, I don't think that there's just love songs like romantically. There's... There's love songs of a, of a father communicating his, his love for his children. There's, there's family kind of love, friendship love. And, and there's tons and tons of songs out there that articulate 
that we love people and we want love and love is a big deal. My guess for you, some of the greatest moments and worst moments in your life have, things, have everything to do with love. So that's what we're going to do. Here's, here's the, the question, in essence, that I think we're going to pull out us. How, how, do, how do I best show love? I mean, I know there's a song and, and, and there are many moments that, that were good for you and I, but, but what if you and I had a, had a mature conversation that music brings up about love and rather than like, I wish that person showed me more love, better love, I, I wish they would change and be better. What if you and I just had a, I think a pretty insightful conversation about how do I show love? Like, what's the best way to truly show love? Well, why would first go after some significant moments in my life? Moments that, in particular, a person began to change my life. And it, it wasn't actually recent. It was a while ago. In fact, I would go back to when I was in elementary school. See, I grew up in a pastor's home, if that helps at all. Uh, I grew up in a home where, where like, my dad was, was the preacher man, and uh, I had a lot of pressure with that. Um, I remember going to school, and, of course, my friends and other people around knew that I was a pastor's kid. And it was pretty common that, that I would be told, hey, you're a pastor's kid. Um, you should be perfect. You can't do what you're doing. You can't say what you're saying. You're a, you're a pastor's kid. So my reaction to that, to being labeled the pastor's kid and this perfect pastor's kid, I was like, well, I'll prove to you that I'm not perfect. And I did just that as an elementary kid. I was pretty horrible. I mean, I, I was not an easy student to have in class. I often would start fights. I was difficult to get along with. And it was a rough season for me. I remember uh, being afraid that my parents would find out certain things of how I had behaved at church or how I had behaved at school. I remember one particular morning, uh, we went to church. And at that time, we went to church. And what we did is we'd go, first thing, we'd go to a thing called Sunday school, where you go to this kind of classroom kind of thing. You learned about the Bible before you went to the big everyone service. And I went to Sunday school. And, and I went to that particular morning, and I was horrible, like a, a horrible human being. I was rude to the teacher, to anyone around. I just, I didn't want to be that perfect kid. Like, that was so bad, I could see it in the eyes of my Sunday school teacher. Uh, well, Sunday school got over, went to church, and the day played out. Church was over, and we went home. Well, I thought it was over. I thought I'd just prove that I wasn't perfect. Well, the problem was after we had lunch at home, uh, I went off to do some things and I did hear the door knock. I was a young kid. I kind of raced to one of the side windows to see who was knocking at our door. Uh, it was my Sunday school teacher. And I knew I'm about to be found out. I'm, I'm about to have this moment. Sunday school teacher tells my parents how bad that I've been. And I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get grounded. This could go bad. And, and I remember just like trying to hide in my room a little bit. And, and eventually I was called. My dad said, hey, hey, come to the front door. So I, I went to the front door. And yep, there, there was my Sunday school teacher, Richard Scoggins. Never forget him. I kind of, I think I hung my head. 
kind of waiting to be in trouble, waiting for this moment to like, okay, I, this all, I'm outed. I, they're going to know I was horrible. And my Sunday school teacher said, hey, David, I just braced myself waiting. He said, hey, do you want to go to the park? Um, I, just, I just got a new kite, and do you want to just go to the park just down the road, and uh, we'll go fly kites together. Well, I was especially young enough going, uh, I would love to fly kites. I mean, this was in Kansas at the time, where it was really easy to fly kites, windy all the time. So I, was, and I looked at my parents going, did you guys already talk about how bad I how did, how What did you guys already talk about? And I was like, yeah, I'd like to go. So we went down to the park, flew kites, had a great time, kind of waiting for my teacher to yell at me, never yells at me. But on the way back, we get back to the house, he said, hey, man, I just want you to know I really believe in you. And I really enjoy having you in my Sunday school class. I was just like, what? And I was expecting this moment where, where he would reject me. That's what I was trying to do as a kid is push people away. If you're going to think I'm going to be perfect, I'm going to push you away. And this guy wasn't pushing me away. And that's why I'll tell you that that moment changed me. I, I didn't know it at the time. But now I can reflect back. And I see that this Sunday school teacher was showing me something about love. Specifically the word loyalty. In fact, I would tell you loyalty is a big deal. Loyalty is this thing that that you and I have got to wrestle with when it comes to love. See, if you and I are actually going to really get this, if you and I are really going to lean into, okay, how, how do I best show love? What I learned from my Sunday school teacher was loyalty. And, and in fact, the mature conversation is this. Love starts with choosing loyalty. That's where it starts. And what I would tell you is I, I really believe that we as a culture now, I'm not hating on Fountain Springs. I think this is bigger than Fountain Springs. I think we as a culture are trying to love people in the absence of loyalty. Now here's what I know. Here's what I know, actually, that before I can share what God teaches about loyalty and love and all that, like before we can go there, which we're going to go there, I mean, a story about my Sunday school teacher kind of helps a little bit, but it doesn't take us there. Because loyalty, your version, my version, our version, all could be different. And, and, and loyalty is, is, is not this boss that demands it. Maybe you work for that boss. <laughs> this boss is like, oh, we got loyalty. Uh, it's demanded. And And I would say any kind of loyalty that is demanded is no longer loyalty. It's no longer this moment that is as pure as loyalty. And I I think we're confused. So let me give you you, uh, a definition. I'll call it a definition. Loyalty is a refusal to abandon a person in spite of circumstances. Now, a lot of powerful words are, are mixed in this. There's the refusal word. Loyalty is a refusal to abandon. To abandon. Now, that's why I put abandon. Listen, 
Loyalty is not staying around a person who abuses you. Okay? Uh-uh. It's not succumbing yourself to, to harm. It's not abandoning. Loyalty is a refusal to abandon. Abandon is a sense of uh, rejection. To abandon a person in spite of circumstances, most of the time negative, not ideal, not great, crazy kind of stuff. If you and I, if you and I want to be good at showing people love, if you don't want to be good at showing love, then, then tune me out. I mean, I don't even know why you're listening, frankly. <laughs> But if you want to, if you want to be a person that shows love well, you've got to lean into the topic of loyalty. And and don't just take my story for it. God has something to teach us and show us. And now that we have a little bit of a definition and understanding that love is something where we choose loyalty, it's a choice. Let me show you a story. There's context to the story. It happened years and years and years ago. It's recorded in the Bible. Uh, the this, this story is this. There's, there's a man and a wife. And, and they are living in, well, you're probably familiar with it, a place called Bethlehem. Remember, where, where Jesus was born. Well, they're living in Bethlehem, but they move. They move to a place called Moab. It's a pretty hefty move. Uh, but they relocate with their two sons, and, and they relocate... The problem is that when they go from Bethlehem, what they knew, what they're familiar with, what was comfortable, and they, and they move to this new place to start this new life, is they, they walk into a season of tragedy. I'll show you the tragedy. It's, it's recorded in the Bible. Then Elimelech died. That's, that's the husband. He's the husband. He, and he died, and Naomi, the wife, was left with her two sons. I mean, some of you have experienced this, right? You've walked through this tragedy. Just one sentence, and all of a sudden we're at one of the most difficult grieving things that anyone could ever encounter. The two sons, the two sons married Moabite women. That's where they, 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 that's where they had moved. One married a woman named Orpah, not Oprah. Got that? Not Orpah. Uh, one married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Milan and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. If you missed all this, Naomi is now alone. Alone. I mean, not. I find that to be significant and tragic and painful. I, maybe you've walked through seasons, maybe not where you've lost someone that you dearly love, but where you've walked through circumstances that are far more intense than you ever would have signed up for. And we're in a situation now where there's tragedy, there's pain, there's loneliness. And now, essentially, if you don't understand all that's going on, you have this woman who's lost her two boys and her husband, and now she's with her two daughter-in-laws. The story unfolds in a way that I think is very significant, and there's a reaction. There's something that you and I learn. 
because there, there's, like a, there's like a send-off. So you've got mom going to the daughter-in-laws. I don't know what you would say, but, but there's this. She says, all right, ladies, you, you, need, to, you need to go. In fact, in fact, she even uses the words that God's fist is, is basically beating my life up, is what she was articulating, that God is against me. So she's saying to her daughter-in-laws, hey, um, you've got time to get remarried, to start a new life, to go, to go and, and, and make something. Because obviously God hates me, he doesn't like me, so go. And he try, she tries to send them off, and, and Orpah goes. And you can't, you can't hate on her for going. That in that culture, in that culture, it was incredibly important that, that you were married, because typically the husband would be the income generator. And so Orpah goes back to her homeland and integrates. And but what's significant about this story is what Ruth says, what Ruth does. Let me show you her words. But Ruth replied, in other words, about going back to her homeland. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. I mean, you've got to understand what's playing out. Both of these women are grieving. And it would make perfect sense. It would be the logical thing to do. Maybe even you might say the right thing to do for Ruth to go back and, again, start a family. But, but let me bring you back to what she just did. Love starts with choosing loyalty. Just think of the moments that you might have experienced. Maybe some of the moments where someone chose you. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of what was going on, in spite of all the other details, they chose you. That's what just happened. So there is a storyline in the Bible. If you've been around church for a long time, you've heard of Naomi and Ruth. An incredible relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law and how to show someone love through loyalty. But frankly, that's not the only lesson. That's not it. That's not where this stays. Loyalty is this powerful thing that you and I can bring into. And I, that the sermon could, in essence, be over. Like, how do we, how do we show love to people? Well, well, we, we're loyal to them. But I would say we're not even fully understanding on what loyalty looks like and how to play that out and how to be loyal people. In fact, many of us might even sign up, check the box, and say, I'm a loyal person. Well, let me help you a little bit more with this. Let's, let's begin to peel back the layers to this. And I'll, loyalty. Loyalty requires sacrifice. 
If you want to go just a little bit further and a bit more of a mature conversation, yeah, if, if I'm going to love someone well, the best way to show love, then i got to give them loyalty. i got to give them loyalty. It's a big deal. It's absent in culture. But if you're like, okay, I want to go further with this, how do I begin to show some sort of loyalty? It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to demand of you. I would tell you sacrifice. You cannot be loyal to a person. You cannot say, I am going to go wherever you go. I'm going to be about what you're about without sacrificing something. And that's what happens. Naomi and Ruth move back to the Bethlehem era. They go back and they, they kind of reintegrate, but you need to know that there's an interesting dynamic here. you got Naomi who's used to Bethlehem, and you've got Ruth who's never been there. She's a foreigner, and that was a big deal then. They go back and integrate. Now, here's how this works. This is their culture at the time. Is they don't have anyone to work fields, to get money, and they're going to starve to death if they don't do something. They're going to move back to, yeah, homeland. And the way culture worked then, if you were dirt poor, if you had nothing, if you were a widow, if you just, like, nothing, absolutely nothing, there was a a written understanding in culture of how you would feed yourself. Here's how it worked. There would be someone who owned a field, raised crops. And when those crops would get harvested, then you, the, the, the poor person, would go behind the harvest happening and what they would drop, what they would leave behind, the grain they would leave behind, you as a poor person could gather up the leftovers and take that and have that. But, but you had to have a little permission from the person who owned the field, had to be a bit congenial on that. And I would tell you, that's what they resolved to do. And not only, not only does Ruth promise to go wherever and do whatever. But she proves it. Let me show you. Ruth 2 2. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, uh, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. You know, when we talk about sacrifice, I don't know if you have a mental picture of this. Do you? Do you have a mental picture of this where you've got this woman who, who was happily married? But she has lost so much. She's lost her husband, her father-in-law, she's lost family members. She's, she's gone through this pain. And now she's in this place where she doesn't know anybody, isn't recognized, it's not easy, and she is now. Well, the mental picture I have, she is now on her hands and knees in a field gathering up leftover grain so that she can survive. Mm -mm. So she and her mother-in-law can survive. That's loyalty. That's sacrifice. Well, this began to get recognized. Just, just so you know, I'm not making a casual observation. So the person, uh, the person who owned the field came and talked to her, of course. 
and, and she began to explain, hey, I'm not from here. Is that, is that, is that okay? Let, let, me sh- let me show you what it says. Uh, yes, I know, Boaz replied. I'm talking about, yeah, I know, I know you're a foreigner. I know you, you're not a, from around here. Uh, yes, I know. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Complete strangers. So I think you're probably tracking so far on this. When we talk about love, when there's songs about love, when we're moved by love, the emotions and the feelings, if you want to have the true mature conversation, you have to admit that love is not this mere emotion. It's far more powerful than that. So if you want to show love, you've got to offer the person loyalty. And that loyalty is going to require sacrifice. I mean, Ruth has given up, in theory, these hopes of being in a place she's familiar with, having a family, she's given it all up. And if you're like, well, how do I get to that? Let's peel back another layer. Sacrifice requires selflessness. Requires selflessness. Now, let me take you back in the story to help you understand the selflessness. Let me, let me remind you of what the mother-in-law said to her daughters-in-law. Uh, take a look at this. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. The security of another marriage. Do not underestimate the significance and the power of giving up things because you love someone. Let me take you back to some of the lyrics. I I don't know if I read all the lyrics to you. In fact, here's some of the lyrics to that song, that love song, Fighting Against All Odds. Hopefully you're seeing this all come together where you're hopefully going, wait a minute, if I want to show love, well, that means I want to fight against all odds, right? Fighting against all odds. I know we'll be all right this time. Darling, just hold my hand. Be my girl. I'll be your man. I see my future in your eyes. Against all odds, I see my future. If you want a future with another person, with a friend, whether whether it's someone like that you're close to now or later, if you want this idea of people around you in your life that there's true, loyal love, if you want to beat the odds, the key to love is selflessness. It's the key. That's where we land. That's the center target. Selflessness. Do you know what selflessness looks like? Because if you've struggled with this so far, you're like, yeah, I want love in my life. Oh, loyalty? Oh, sacrifice? These are big things. You cannot be good at showing love if you can't be selfless. 
I read a story, <laughs> and it messes with me. Uh, the, the guy's name is Nathan Barlow. Now, now Nathan Barlow uh, was a medical doctor, and he, and, and he wanted to do good. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to help people. He actually, he truly wanted to not just, like, live a life. He, he wanted to enjoy life by helping other people. Nathan Barlow. So here's what he does, because this is significant. He goes to Ethiopia, a country that was struggling, um, especially with medical care. Medical care was not an option for, for anyone and everyone. And, and, and there's even a, a, a problem. It's called Mossy Foot. Um, I'm not going to show you a picture of this. Just let me give you the description. Mossy Foot is a debilitating condition causing swelling and ulcers in the feet and legs. If you got mossy foot, not only were you in pain and have major problems, you became a social outcast. And so this guy, Nathan Barlow, said, you know, I love these people. And he spent decades, decades helping them. Well, here's what happens. One day, he gets a toothache. Now, if you've ever had a toothache, you know how painful a toothache is. You know that it will wreck you. It will dominate your mind, and you'll be in pain. It's incredible what a simple toothache can do. So here's what happened. The toothache got so bad that he's like, I have to go. I have to go back to where I come. I have to go back, and I have to go, go to a dentist, and the dentist is going to have to repair my tooth because I cannot even function. So he leaves Ethiopia, meaning he leaves these people who he loves, and when he leaves, that means they don't get the medical care that they need. He leaves them so that he can get his tooth dealt with. So he goes to the dentist, and he says this to the dentist. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. Here's what he says. He says, I cannot afford to leave Ethiopia again because there's so many people who need help. So, Mr. Dentist, doctor, I want you to remove all of my teeth and give me false teeth because I don't ever want to leave again because of a pain I'm having in my tooth. And that's exactly what happened. He had all of his teeth removed. They put in fake teeth. He went back to Ethiopia and again, begin to medically care for people. I would call that the ultimate display of selflessness. Now, some of you are like, is the pastor going to say I got to get all my teeth taken out? I mean, I'm not suggesting that that's the only way to, to show love, but there are ways. Okay, let's go back to where we began. Let's go back to where we began. How do I best show love? The answer is not remove all your teeth, okay? That's not, that's not the answer. But I can show you next steps. If you're like, I want to be a loyal person, so I've got to be a sacrificial person, so I've got to be a selfless person, how do I begin to walk that out to where who cares how well others show me love, but I want to show love because that is so powerful. Let me, let me give you two. I'll give you two steps. I think this will help. Refuse to ignore what other, others need. Refuse to ignore what others need. Just refuse to ignore it. A lot of us are like, 
We see it and we ignore it, right? You got to refuse to ignore. Look, look. Here's what the Bible tells us. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest, an interest in others too. Refuse to ignore what others need. This does not mean that every need you see, you have to fix. But because so many of us can't fix every problem, we start to ignore every problem. And if you want to be good at showing others love, refuse to ignore what they need. That's one step. Let me, let me show you another step. Refuse to return evil with evil. I think this is where a lot of times love breaks down. Someone hurts you and everything begins to fall apart. Refuse to return evil with evil. Okay, here. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. All people. Refuse to return evil with evil. If you were just to take these two things and say, all right, I'm not going to ignore people's needs and I'm not going to return evil with evil. Is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. And in fact, Jesus did this for you, which proves if Jesus did it here on earth, you and I can do it here on earth. Let me show you. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I love that music brings up love. And I love that God teaches us how to show love going to require loyalty. Please don't be a friend that abandons people when they make a mistake. Please don't be a spouse that demands perfection. Don't be a parent that demands perfection. Don't be a boss that demands perfection. Offer loyalty. And you need to know in order to give someone loyalty, you're going to have to sacrifice and the only reason you're going to be willing to give up things that you love and care about is you have to be selfless and if you forget what that looks like go read up on Jesus let me pray for you God we love you and God I confess to you that we do not always love you well we do not always show to you uh, loyalty, sacrifice, selflessness. God, I'm sorry. I think, I think many of us are sorry that we don't show you love really well. God, you show us love perfectly. You've never failed to show us love. And we acknowledge that now. Would you help us, Lord, in our moments? In the, in the times that we don't feel like being loyal or sacrificing anything or being selfless in any way, God, would you prompt us and, and even bump us a little bit? But Lord, we commit to you that the people around us, in our community, in our state, in our nation, on this planet, that we want to love them the way you've loved us. So God, would you give us strength and power and diligence to do so? 
We love you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.